Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Currently at my friend Jesse Coleman's house. You guys might be familiar with Jesse. She's been on the podcast multiple times. I'm in her bedroom on the floor. Her bedroom is a is in the shape of a circle, which is interesting. I really like it. I feel like I'm in a castle when I'm in a circular room. Maybe that's just me. But I am in West Hollywood. I'm in LA for the weekend. Have some work things to do, gonna go to some events. It's gonna be so much fun. I'm actually really happy to be back. I drove I drove up late last night and as I was driving into LA, I was just thinking, LA reminds me of that bad boy that you love and you want to date, but you know it's just not good for you. It's like how I feel about living in LA. I, I, you know, I loved it. It's so much fun. You, when you come here, you think it's what you want, but then you stay here for a while and you deal with the traffic and adrenal fatigue sets in and you realize maybe not the best for you long term. Speaking of adrenal fatigue, that is what this episode is largely about. About half this episode, we'll be talking all about adrenal fatigue, which, you know, is a controversial term, but... I like to just use terms that people can understand so we can say HPA axis dysregulation if that makes you feel better, but I think we all know what we're talking about. So we're going to get into it in this episode. I'm chatting with Caroline Potter, who is another nutritional therapy practitioner. She's also the author of the cookbook, All American Paleo Table. She lives over in Spain. How cool is that? She is also a military spouse. She is the mother of an adorable little girl, and she is the voice behind the brand Flourish. So you can find her at flourish-living.com. She's also on Instagram at Caroline underscore Potter, and all of her links will be in the show notes. But Caroline is just the sweetest human, and she helps a lot of clients overcome HPA axis dysregulation, which is why I wanted to have her on the show to speak a bit to that. And she also has a really interesting story with her diagnosis of type 1 diabetes a bit later on than is usual. So she speaks about what it was like for her getting that diagnosis and how she has navigated multiple autoimmune diseases. And we also talk a bit about her relationship and what it's like being the wife of someone in the military and being in a 
a long distance relationship half the time and she has such a cute story of how they fell in love. I just love hearing about how people how people meet and get married. I I love stories like that. So we touch on a bit of everything and I just loved this conversation with Caroline and I think a lot of you guys are really going to relate especially with all of the tips about supporting your adrenals. A lot of us nowadays live high stress lifestyles sometimes without even realizing it. I have clients who come to me and don't even realize how stressed out they are until we start really talking about it and getting specific about how they feel about different aspects of their lives. And even if you don't feel emotionally stressed, we have all these physical stressors all around us. We have EMFs and we have toxic personal care products and maybe toxic food supply. And that's added on to exercise and work and relationships, living situations, all of that. So if you feel like your adrenals could use a little extra lovin', then this episode is for you. And I definitely had a big bout of adrenal burnout. (laughs) That was part of why I had to move out of Los Angeles. Sometimes you have to make big life changes to really support your adrenals. But something that really helped me calm my stress response and helped a lot with my anxiety was incorporating full spectrum hemp oil into my daily routine. You guys know how much I love Ned's full spectrum hemp oil. I had been hearing about CBD for so long and just didn't buy into it. I was looking at the ingredients on a bunch of the different CBD products and I just didn't like the ingredients and I thought, well, I know that there's benefits to CBD, but it's not worth it if it is put into a bottle with a bunch of other inflammatory ingredients. That's not doing my body any good either. And when you're putting something in your body every day or using it consistently, you want to make sure that it is full of healthy ingredients that are not inflammatory. And that's why I love Ned because I finally found a full spectrum hemp oil that is the highest quality out there. It literally could not get any better. So all Ned products are made from organic, whole, natural ingredients. All are small batch and slow crafted. They energetically infuse all of their products with binaural beats, positive affirmations, and happy vibes, and you can seriously taste the difference. And their farmer, Kurt, has been experimenting with hemp plants for over a decade, and he's really dialed in the exact strains that are best for maximizing the cannabinoid density, the terpene content, and just the overall integrity of the plant. And they are only extracting from the hemp flowers, otherwise known as the buds versus other products on the market, usually extract from the stalks and seeds of the hemp plant, which is basically the throwaway part of the plant. And Ned only uses a very gentle, slow ethanol-based extraction method, which is done at room temperature. So there's no high heat, no high pressure, because both of those can really compromise the profile of the hemp flower and compromise their cannabinoid or terpene content. And a lot of people don't realize that the CBD products they might be buying, you know, they might be labeled with X amount of CBD and it won't really have that amount in it. There have been studies done on a wide number of CBD products on the market showing that almost all of them do not contain the amount of CBD that they say they contain, if any at all, which is pretty scary because CBD products can be expensive. And so 
you really don't want to be throwing away your money on something that doesn't even have the cannabinoids. And NED isn't just CBD. It's the full spectrum hemp oil. So it contains the CBD, but also all of the other phytocannabinoids like CBG, CBC, CBDA, CBGA. So you're getting the full entourage effect of all of the cannabinoids together versus just the CBD. And of course, you just have to look at the bottle to know the quality. There is the CBD, the full range of phytocannabinoids, and just non-GMO MCT oil. I really beg you to check out the CBD product you might be using or any on the shelf if you're looking into that and seeing what carrier oil they use. A lot of them use inflammatory oils and or they add in things like natural flavors or other flavors and you really don't know what any of that means or what the sourcing is from and I know that NED is the highest quality. This is why it's so important to check into the sourcing of where your products are coming from. And full-spectrum hemp oil has a wide range of benefits, not just for anxiety. It is amazing to help with anxiety, depression, PTSD, just helps wind you down. It's also an anti-inflammatory, so great for people with autoimmune diseases. It's a natural pain reliever. It's a really great source of antioxidants. It can help with sleep. It can be great if you have insomnia. It can help to balance out all of your hormones because it works on the endocannabinoid system, which helps to bring homeostasis throughout the whole body. And our endocannabinoid system is not stimulated very often, which is why adding in something like full spectrum hemp oil, which it does stimulate the endocannabinoid system, can be so life-changing for people. And it really affects all the systems in the body in the best way by balancing them out. So those are just a few of the uses. I take a dropper's worth of the 750 milligram bottle every evening. You put it under your tongue and you want to hold it there for about 30 seconds and then swallow it. If I am particularly stressed out or just need a little extra, sometimes I do it in the morning or earlier in the day to help calm me down. It's absolutely amazing. And Ned also has other hemp infused products. They have an amazing body butter, which is especially great if you have any aches or pains, if you're sore. This is great for athletes and runners. As well as their hemp infused lip balms. I love these lip balms. They have a variety of flavors. I love the peppermint one right now, but I really love all of them. That's just the one I've been using most recently. So highly recommend those as well. If you want to check out Ned's products, just go to helloned.com and you can use my discount code wellness for 15% off. So again, you can go to helloned.com and when you check out, just type in wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, and that will get you 15% off. And if you get some Ned products and you post about them on social media, make sure you tag me so I can see you got your products in and I love to hear how it goes for you, what you think. So keep me in in the loop. I love I love to hear what's going on. And that is just one of many tools that can really help your body balance out, can help to support the adrenals. And in this episode, Caroline is going to get into a lot of different diet, lifestyle factors that you can implement to support your body. So if you are feeling burnt out, definitely listen through the end. Okay, now that you know a little bit about what we will be chatting about today, let's just go ahead and hop into this interview with Caroline Potter. 
How about you start off by introducing yourself to my listeners in case they're not familiar with you? So I'm Caroline Potter. I am an NTP like you, which is how we connected. So fun. Um, I'm also a wife and a mama to a sweet little now 14 month old. Oh my gosh, that sounds crazy. Um, and my husband and I and Remington and our golden retriever, we are stationed in Southern Spain. So that's where we live right now. Quite the time change. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me personally. I have two autoimmune diseases, um, type one diabetes, which I've had for eight years now. And then Hashimoto's, which I developed postpartum, um, I am the author of the cookbook, All American Paleo Table, and my website is and brand is called Flourish. Cool. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about how you, like, came to become a nutritional therapy practitioner? So I um, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 20. Um, I was in my second semester, junior year of college. And um, to put it lightly, it pretty much rocked my world. Um, and at the time, it was really difficult. And, um, you know, it's just a such a vulnerable time. I feel like anything kind of between like 16 and 20 is just it's a difficult, Mm -hmm. you know, stage of life. You don't have it all figured out. And some of your friends do have it all figured out, but really no one has it all figured out at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was a French major in college and I knew I really wanted to go into the restaurant industry. That was always like my game plan. And God clearly had other plans because, um, my husband entered my life. And after the first date, I knew I was going to marry him. Um, and I knew he was also going to be moving away from San Diego where we met. Um, so I didn't, you know, I'm a big dreamer. And so this sounds crazy to say, but I, I didn't like apply for jobs or anything like that at the end of college. And, um, my nutritionist said, why don't you look into the nutritional therapy association and maybe get some credentials. And so I didn't do any research or anything like that. I just trusted her so much. I was like, okay, signed up. (laughs) So that was kind of my plan. Um, you know, and as a newly married wife, um, I was young, you know, I was only 22. Um, I moved to Hawaii and my husband immediately deployed. And so I was trying to figure out life and marriage and jobs and everything like that. And so I had a few part-time jobs, um, and that led me to starting, um, a business, which for people that have been following me for a while was called colorful eats. And that, um, was inspired by actually my wedding cake. Um, so when we were planning our wedding, you know, you, you do all the catering stuff, everything like that, the tastings. And they're like, Oh, do you want to organize a cake tasting and different things like that? And I just kept being like quiet and shy about it. Um, because I didn't really want to draw attention to myself, but I'm type one, I have type one diabetes, so I don't eat cake. (laughs) Um, and so my sweet husband, you know, he stepped up and he said, um, you know, I don't think we're going to do that because my wife doesn't eat that. And this is, you know, really, this is half her day, half mine. So, um, my aunt and then the caterer, I came up with the recipe and they, my aunt made it and then the caterer designed it, um, and decorated it and everything like that. And so everyone, the cake was gone, like just instantly gone. Um, and so that really inspired me to start my brand, um, and my website at the time, which was called colorful eats. And then I, um, 
rebranded just two years ago, a year and a half ago, um, to flourish. And I can talk more about that later, but that's kind of how I got my start was, you know, just figuring out a solution to my problem. Um, and that was, I was a 22 year old girl who wanted to have a wedding cake on her special day. Um, so that's how it all got started. Yeah. Okay. I have quite a few questions. First of all, I want to <laughs> roll back to your relationship with your husband and how you said you knew you were going to marry him after your first date. <laughs> like, tell me more about this. Okay. So to anyone of like my best friends, um, it's so funny. It's just crazy how like you should never say never. Um, but I at the time was like, ultra independent. Like, I don't want anything to do with men. Obviously I like men, but like, didn't want yeah. anything to do with them. Like my plan was to go into the restaurant industry, to be very successful, to have my own business, to have a million dollars in the bank. And then maybe like 30 or beyond, I would get married. And that was my plan in my mind. Um, super independent. And yeah, he came in and we met at church actually in San Diego when I was home for like 10 days from college. We met on New Year's Day. Um, I was slightly hungover, just going to throw that one out there, looking like a mess. And he came up to me and just said, hi, I'm Steven. And um, and then he had to track me down like that whole day because he didn't have a way of getting a hold of me. And so we went on our first date and I just knew, I remember, I thought we had been talking for like 45 minutes and we had been talking for over three hours wow. <laughs> and it was like one in the morning and he was like, your dad's going to kill me. Um, so yeah, just a fun like personal story, but that's how we met. How long after you guys started dating, did you get engaged? So we dated entirely long distance. I was away at college and then he was stationed in San Diego and I went to college in Michigan. I came out to visit him twice and then he came out to visit me twice. And then I went away to France for two months to finish my major. Um, and so we dated long distance for seven months. I got home from France. Um, we got engaged two weeks later and then we got married nine weeks later. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's, this long distance, this long distance is so interesting to me. Like, I think that's uh, something people really struggle with. Like, how do you, how do you maintain a long distance relationship? Like what tips do you have for people? You know, I, I would say the biggest tip is just to realize it is what it is. Um, and I think sometimes people go into it and they say it's hard and that immediately puts a negative vibe on the situation. I don't know if negative vibe is the right word, but it just yeah. brings negativity immediately into the context and immediately into the relationship. And so, you know, I mean, my husband deploys over half the time. Um, and we've been married for seven years. Um, so we've pretty much been married for what, like three years <laughs> if he's yeah. been gone half the time. Um, and it's, it's hard, you know, it still is often a long distance relationship. Um, and so I think just admitting like it is what it is and not bringing that negativity immediately into it. That's something that's really helped me. Um, I had to get really good at my communication, like pretty much immediately. There's a few hard moments when we were, um, and when we were dating at the beginning and he just called me out on it and like put me in my place in a very loving, gracious way. But, um, communication is not my strong point. I've gotten better at it, but it's still not my strong point. Um, but yeah, I think communication is key. 
we would read books together and listen to like similar music. He um, is a musician, so he would always send me music. Um, just anything you can do like that to connect. Um, and then ultimately, you know, I think you have to fully believe in that person and fully believe in your relationship. Um, because yeah, our, you know, our dating, we only dated for seven months before we got engaged and that was entirely long distance. But I knew that seven months was not the whole picture of our relationship. You know, hopefully we'll be married and live together and, um, you know, grow old together if, you know, if that's what life has for us. But if you think about those years of dating, um, those are such a small like snippet of your entire relationship. So I think that really puts it in perspective, um, at least for me. So yeah, I mean, that- I think that people have, I, I agree. They have this kind of negative, there's this mm-hmm. negative connotation on long distance. Like people just go into it thinking it's not going to work, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it makes a relationship much stronger. It's like, if your relationship is mostly based on just like literally your words, and your communication, mm-hmm. you know it's going to last a long time. Yeah. And, yeah, you're for- I think, too, we were forced um, just because of the circumstances, like, of our relationship and things went so quick. But we were forced to have those really rough conversations at the beginning and we got it out of the way and it was not easy. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, there were some times that we both were in tears. Like, there was really, really rough stuff we had to talk about. Um but you're just, you know, you're forced to do that and to get it out of the way and then to move on. Um, and that's so freeing. I think not just in like in that type of relationship, but in any relationship or in life, just to get that hard stuff out of the way um, really brings a lot of freedom to your life and to your relationship. Yeah. Do you mind me asking like what kind of hard conversations like at the beginning? I think um, like, you know, past relationships, different things that had happened to us. Um, also just like, you know, what are our, what are, what are our core values? Um, and thankfully, you know, our core values were very, very similar, but you still have to talk through that stuff. And even if your core values are similar, like those are exhausting conversations to have. Um, you know, that takes a lot of thought and intention and time and just emotion. Even if it's not a bad conversation, it's still a very emotionally draining conversation. Um, so yeah, just just kind of all that like heavy stuff, and then we got it out of the way. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. He's he's really he's great. I still get butterflies. <laughs> Aww, that's so cute. Well, what's it like being a new mom with a husband who's deployed? Like, you know, how are you dealing with that? Because I mean, being a mom is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not. Um, I will say. And I don't want to like word this incorrectly, but I had a really rough pregnancy. Like, don't get out of bed for nine months, don't eat for nine months um, pregnancy. And I was also high risk and dealing with a lot of things. I also gave birth in a Spanish hospital and all my appointments um, were done through a translator. Um, wow. And so there was just, you know, there was there was a lot going on. I Literally, I was so sick, I couldn't even, like, walk my dog, and my husband was deployed um, for half of my pregnancy. So, you know, I think that really, not that I would ever wish that on anyone, but I think once she arrived, um, I was just, like, 
like, okay, cry in the middle of the night. Like I have to feed you in the middle of the night. Like, yay. Like I don't feel nauseous. I don't, you know, have horrible insomnia. I would like watch Gilmore girls for like four hours in the middle of the night. It would mean it was horrible. I didn't work for nine months. It was just really, really bad. So I think that's something that put a lot of the, um, just the daily mundane tasks and also the exhaustion really into perspective because I was so thankful, um, you know, about her. We also were told, you know, some things that didn't come to fruition about her. And so there was just a lot of scary, difficult moments like in my pregnancy. And so once she got here, I was just so, so thankful. Um, besides that, I would say, yes, I am home alone a lot. Um, my husband plays a really active role while he is gone. And so I never like to refer to what I'm doing as solo parenting because he plays such an active role. And oh my gosh, Remington and him are inseparable. Like she would rather go to him. Like she just squeals whenever he comes home. It's the sweetest little relationship. Um, and then I also, I, I will be really honest and say I have a lot of help. Um, I live in a foreign country where I don't have any family here. Um, you know, my parents have been really involved and my mom was here for six weeks when Remington was born, which was so sweet. Um, my dad sadly wasn't able to make it, but he's been to Spain multiple times. Um, both my parents have, but I also, you know, have a lot of help because I don't have family nearby and all my friends are in the same situation where they have kids, their husbands are deployed or their spouses are deployed. They don't have family nearby, you know? So, um, I do have a lot of help in the home and that, that really helps. Um, and you know, I, as much like as I love Remington, I firmly believe, and we might talk about this later, I firmly believe that you can't pour from an empty cup. And so if I'm not taking care of myself, especially as someone who um, just due to having two autoimmune diseases, I'm in a weakened state of energy. That's just how my body is. And so I know that I need sleep and I need exercise and I need quiet time. I'm definitely an introvert, which is interesting um, now as a mom. And so I really am thankful for help that I have in my home. Um, but there's also a lot of hard moments. There's a lot of tears. Um, there's a lot of collapsing in bed at night with ice packs on my back because it hurts so bad. So there's a lot of that too, but um, there's, a, there's a lot of good things. And motherhood has been like far better of a journey than I ever expected. Um, and it's just, it's been absolutely incredible. Like your heart literally like bursts every day. It's just the, it's the craziest emotion I can't like quite put into world words. So it's just, oh my gosh, it's been the best. And I never thought I would say that ever. So, yeah, it's, I'm just curious, like how you do, how do you cope with like, if you feel lonely, because I mean, you're clearly very independent, but like your family's not mm -hmm. out there. Your husband is gone a lot, like, and you're, you know, it, like probably working hard and then also trying to take yeah. care of yourself. But like, how do you create time for like social relationships? And I imagine, you know, being in a new country, I'm sure that would intimidate a lot of people and be easy to just kind of like stay at home, not make any friends, like take care of the baby, yeah. you know? So how do you put yourself out there? You know, I would say um, that's that's very true and very prevalent in the military community is that loneliness factor. And I would say I'm not immune from it at all. Um, but you're also you're with other people that are in the same boat. So like I obviously, you know, have Spanish friends. Our nanny is Spanish. She's so sweet. But um, most of my good friends here are all 
also in the military. And so they're all in that same situation. So you really kind of just bond together um, and you get through the hard times and you get through the good times together. Um, and your relationships are definitely, they, I feel like military relationships like instantly go deep. It's like, you know, you, you have a few friends that are just like that instant deep connection. And then obviously everyone has, you know, more surface level friends, but I feel like when you're forced to do the hard things together and the deployments together and, you know, all that, that kind of stuff, um, you're just kind of all in the same boat, so to speak. So you get through it. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Cause I think about like, I mean, my deepest relationships are with people who have also gone through a serious health mm-hmm. struggle, you know, like that bonds you. And I'm sure like with, you know, going through what you go through with being a military spouse, that would really, that, I mean, that's, it's when you go through something intense alongside yeah. someone, even if it's a separate experience, um, cause you just get it, you know? Um, oh yeah. It definitely, it definitely connects you, you know, you're connected with similar circumstances and that doesn't mean I don't get lonely and, um, but, you know, I have a, a dog and now I have Remington and that's, you know, she <laughs> is my biggest priority and she's so sweet. And it's like I have this little mini best friend walking around all the time. So, yeah, that's that's, so cute. it's been really fun. Well, I want to also touch more on being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and mm-hmm. um, kind of what that was like for you and what what diet and lifestyle changes you had to make from there. So when I was initially diagnosed, um, I honestly, like, I was just so confused. I think confused is the right word. Um, I was never really explained what type one diabetes was. I was never explained what an autoimmune disease was. Um, I was, you know, I was just scared. There was, I, I thought, okay, well, you know, to put it bluntly, I was like, that disease either happens to children or to fat people. <laughs> like, mm-hmm you know, that's just what I thought. And so I didn't, I don't think, you know, we know what type two diabetes is and and usually it's just referred to as diabetes. And so I didn't honestly know what like type one diabetes was because it's very rare. Um, and sadly it's becoming less rare now, but, um, it definitely is a rare disease. And so, you know, I was just sent home with these prescriptions and, um, I was told eat whatever you want, just take insulin to counteract it. That's, you know, what I was told, you know, eat pizza, eat anything you want, eat soda, eat juice, whatever you want to eat. That's fine. Just take insulin, count your carbs, take insulin to counteract it. Um, and so, you know, thankfully I grew up in a very holistic, um, healthy minded home. Um, and so I am really thankful for that background. But, um, you know, when you initially get diagnosed and you're in, um, I wasn't even at college at that point, I was at an internship in a different city. So it was like all these things were going on. Um, I was in a a different place on the East coast, far away from my family. My sister actually, um, lived in Washington DC where I was at the time. So that was just like a huge blessing. She like laid in the hospital bed with me. Um, but you know, I was just confused and, you're so confused. Like, and I was never fully explained what type one diabetes was. And, you know, I had a job and I had school and I had so much going on. And so I just, you know, your first instinct is do what the doctors tell you. The doctors have your best interest at heart. Um, and so little by little, well, not little by little, but, um, very quickly I gained a lot of weight. 
um, like a lot of weight to the point where I was sobbing in the anthropology dressing room in Georgetown in Washington, DC, because nothing fit. And I was so bloated. Um, I had severe stomach pain, like severe stomach pain. Um, and you know, you're 20 years old and I blew up like a balloon really quickly. And the doctor said, Oh, you're fine. That's just, you need to gain weight. And you know, that's, that's a whole nother topic for another day, but I firmly believe that everyone's has their own body shape. Some people are naturally skinnier. Some people are naturally a little bit more heavy set. And I don't think there's like a right or wrong, but I just think there's like, you know what your body is supposed to be. And I was like, no, like I'm not supposed to gain all this weight that quickly. Um, and so that was about the time the book wheat belly. Have you read that book? Yeah, I have not in a while, but I remember when it got big, it was, yeah. Oh my gosh, that book like changed my life. Um, and so that book talks about, it talks a little bit about type one diabetes, but mostly it's just, um, it talks a lot about, you know, like type two and just how the food we eat affects us. And I was so miserable. I was just willing to try anything. So I pretty much went on like a, um, I would say a low carb diet at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, after about, Oh, I'd have to really think about the exact timing, but after about like four to six months, um, I was able to get off insulin completely for a year and a half to two years, um, and control it by diet alone. And so it's called the honeymoon phase, um, without getting like too detailed, but for a lot of people, it's just a few weeks. Some people can go for a few months. Um, and again, I don't, you know, fully know everything that happened, but I, yeah, I was fully off insulin for a while. And then, um, I relapsed, um, a few, like a year after I got married and was back on insulin. Um, and I now am obviously on insulin. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the initial days. I forgot what your question was. I just no, I started wanna, talking. Yeah, I want to know more about that. Well, I'm curious, like, you know, what the different dietary approaches are, for different people, like, have you always followed a more paleo based approach? So again, I really, you know, I really grew up eating healthy. Um, I never drank soda, um, candy, junk food, anything like that. Um, so I think, you know, when you're more naturally inclined to eat like healthy food like that. Obviously, you know, at college I drink beer and eat pizza and different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so not seeing I was perfect, but Um, you know, that was 2011. So I would say paleo wasn't like mainstream at any point, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd say once more I got into like diabetes and, but initially when I was diagnosed, like paleo wasn't on top of mind or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Um, so I would say, yeah, I definitely follow like a low carb approach. I do eat a lot of dairy and I do I eat very high quality dairy and I do good with that. Um, so, you know, I'm talking like raw grass fed, you Mm -hmm. know, really solid quality dairy there. Um, and yeah, I, I ate just very low carb, um, no sugar. I was really, really strict. Um, you know, sweet potatoes, I would have like a few bites and that was it. Um, So yeah, kind of, you know, I would say a paleo framework, but more low carb. I don't really like to say low carb because usually the connotation that goes with low carb is bad quality food and you're just eating like cream cheese and mozzarella, um, and bacon, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is a good diet, but, um, I would say definitely a 
whole food um, paleo template with good quality dairy um, and really just real food, like, you know, fresh, real food. Um, and I ate that way for for a while. I would say it wasn't until a few years ago that um, I definitely realized that my hormones, especially my hormones and my adrenal glands needed some more carbohydrates. Um, and so I, I introduced that, um, you know, and I'm really thankful for more of that low carb approach because I know it gave me that foundation and that discipline. Um, mm-hmm. But you again have to look at the big picture and especially our hormones and our adrenal glands and our female hormones and our thyroid, we need nourishing carbohydrates. Um, yeah. And so, I definitely started eating, you know, a little bit more carbohydrates. Um, and then when I was pregnant, I pretty much ate crackers and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ginger ale and everything went out the window. Yeah. Uh, but That's yeah, now that I'm, I'm done nursing, um, I definitely am trying to get back into more, um, I don't, I don't want to say the word strict, but just trying to get, rein it all in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. Okay, I want to I want to talk more about the adrenals, carbs, all that for a second, but I mean, I'm still confused a little bit about like do you understand why you got diagnosed when you were 20? Like, you know what I mean? Like the same thing I thought mm-hmm. like, usually when you're a kid, you know, like what took so long for that diagnosis or like did that, you know? I'm I'm like <laughs> Oh yeah. So I mean, I was confused and I mean I still don't know to this day. No one knows. Um, doctors are always like surprised. There are more and more people nowadays getting diagnosed um, later in life. I just heard of someone who was 32. Um, we had someone here that was 34. I have wow. a friend that was diagnosed at 28. So people are getting diagnosed later and later um, in life. And so autoimmune disease is typically triggered by a form of stress. Um And so in working with an osteopathic doctor, you know, I didn't think I was stressed. I was 20 years old. Like, what stress did I have? Um, And so I really realized, like, what had happened um, with some relationships that, you know, and do I know that that's what triggered it? No, not at all. Um, But at the root of it, autoimmune disease is triggered by a stress. So I know of someone who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at a young age after a broken bone. Um, so different things like that. And ultimately, like, can we say that's what happened? No, no one can say that. There's no way to exactly prove that. Um, but that is that is what, um, you know, research and, and documentation can support that it's triggered by a form of stress. So, yeah, that's why I'm definitely very pro trying to create a stress – not a – a stressless life. Um, we're not going to ever be able to remove all the stress, but there's a lot you can do um, to learn to navigate that stress and to remove things that are stressing you. And even to this day, um, you know, when I go back to that initial diagnosis, um, I knew it came from verbal and emotional conflict um, back when I was 20. And so what's crazy is to this day, um, if I hear people arguing or and it's not even like it can't even be directed toward me, like if I'm in a parking lot and someone's arguing or one time I was walking my dog, this was a few years ago, and some people were on their porch just like yelling at each other. And I went home and my blood sugar had just like skyrocketed through the roof. Um, so it's crazy just to like see 
that connection. And since I do have to test my blood sugar all the time, I, I have an accurate reading of how stress impacts me. You know, a a normal person that doesn't test their blood sugar, they may just feel stress in a different way, but I'm like, I can see the numbers. (laughs) Like I can see how it affects me, which is crazy. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I mean, I experienced this myself and I have this conversation with so many clients, like people with autoimmune diseases, like we're more sensitive to stressors, you know, and I think it's really mm -hmm. a tough pill for people to swallow and they'll just get upset. Like I, you know, they're like, I'm not doing anything crazy. Like, I don't know why my body feels like it's falling apart, but like the amount of stress that we can handle is just less than other people. And the sooner you kind of accept that and honor that, like, it's okay if we have to be slower than we think we have, like, we have to be like, I think people have these expectations of how much they should be able to handle because they look at the rest of the world and they see how fast the world is spinning Mm -hmm. out there and then we compare ourselves, but it's real. I mean, that's why I love how you bring up this data you have. Your blood sugar is spiking from your stress. Like it's, it's, it's true. I think people sometimes get upset with themselves because they think it's in their heads. And I'm like, no, your body physiologically Mm -hmm. is responding. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, I can see it because I have to test my blood sugar, but not everyone can see it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have an autoimmune disease or, I don't want to just only say autoimmune disease, but other things, um, you know, that could be affecting your health, but especially with an autoimmune disease, your body is having to work so much harder to make up for that deficiency. So your body, even if you are like taking a nap, lying on a beach, whatever, your body is constantly in a state of stress because it's working to make up for that deficiency. So like you said, someone with an autoimmune disease, like we really have to realize like, okay, this is what's happening. This is how my body is working. That doesn't make me bad. That doesn't mean me weak. That doesn't make me lazy. It's just my body is having to do more than a fully functioning human. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's really important that you point that out. So thank you. Um, I, I am just curious also, did you ever like lean ketogenic? Um, I would say, no, I would never say I was fully ketogenic. Mm -hmm. Um, I I definitely think that that can have a time and a place. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think you really have to be working with someone very skilled. Um, and I definitely think for women in particular, Mm -hmm. especially women in childbearing years, whether or not you want to have a child, that's a different fact of the matter. But if you're in that childbearing years range, Mm -hmm. um, I think that the ketogenic diet, um, can have some negativity there. So I, I wouldn't, I was never like fully ketogenic. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, yeah. you, you really have to be working with someone that knows that, um, to really do that properly. But I mean, I've known a lot of children with seizures, um, to in mind that I, you know, actually am friends with come to mind, um, that have controlled their seizures while they were growing up with the ketogenic diet. So I'm not saying it's bad. It just, it wasn't right for me. Yeah, which brings me to, I want you to share more about how you had said earlier that you realized that your body needed more carbohydrates for your adrenals and your hormones. So like what made you realize that? Walk me through that. I just started dealing, you know, with a lot of hormone issues and that was, um, coming from a lot of different factors, not just eating a low carb diet by any means. 
Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of puzzle pieces that you have to put together. And when you, when you really get in tune with your health, um, and especially as someone like as an NTP, like we probably know too much, which sometimes can be a negative thing. Um, but when you do get in tune with your body, you start looking at all these different puzzle pieces and figuring things out. And so one of those was definitely, um, toxins and toxic exposure and reducing my toxic exposure. Um, and, that's a different caveat, but I was exposed to a lot of toxins and I knew that was affecting my hormones. Um, and then also I had been low carb for, for a while and, um, you know, your body needs that source of energy, um, because low carb for too long can put your body into a stressful state. Um, and that in turn affects your adrenal glands, which in turn also affects your female hormones. So, um, you know, it just, that was just another puzzle piece. And again, there was a lot of puzzle pieces, um, to my health story, but that was definitely something I tuned into and I could just, you know, I could feel it. I think really testing out, you know, like, okay, I'm eating this, this is how I feel. And for me, I can also test my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I know foods that bother me. Um, and I know, you know, carbohydrates that I do well with. Um, but I think, I think sometimes we're so busy and we're so caught up in the hustle of life that we like sometimes forget how we even feel, um, or forget to make note of it, whether we write it down or even a mental note, like, oh, you know, I've been, I've been making this little change in my diet over the past two weeks and wow, I'm really like feeling a lot better. But I think sometimes we forget to tune into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like your intuition is so powerful. Well, what kind of hormonal symptoms were you dealing with? Um, Extreme to the point of um, I've been to the ER twice. Um, Extreme like PMS, cramping, um, migraines. I would say, yeah, not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I want to talk about adrenal fatigue with you. Um, I haven't really actually had a whole episode about it. So maybe we can just go into it here. Um, yeah. Ex- tell tell the audience a little bit about adrenal fatigue. I mean, controversial <laughs> name. <laughs> Whatever. I am personally team, let's call it what makes people understand it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. So wh- why don't you explain like a little bit about what that is? So, you know, we live in a high, high stress world. Um, and I think it's really important to before you understand what adrenal fatigue is to understand what stress is. And I think sometimes we think that stress is a negative thing. Stress is not getting enough sleep. Stress is, um, skipping a meal. Stress is getting stuck in traffic. Stress is an argument and all those things are stressors, but stress is any form of change. So let's say you have a tropical vacation to Hawaii planned and you're going to sit on the beach for a week, but you got to get there. And you have to change your environment and you're changing, you know, the bacteria that's in your water. So many things are changing by you going on that restful trip. And so it's what's crazy is oftentimes when we go on vacation or different things like that, our our adrenaline has been pumping at such a high state that when we actually go into that restful mode, we get sick. And we all know this because it's all happened to us. Um, 
but I just wanted to explain that like stress is not always a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Stress is just any form of change. And so if you think about once you realize that and you understand really what stress is, you realize just how much stress you have in your life. Um, and that's just, you know, that's a reality of life. I'm not like over here going to say I didn't have any stress at all. I actually had a crazy day and was eating Siete chips right before this because I haven't had time to eat dinner. So by no means am I perfect. And do I not have any stress in my life? That's just not reality. Mm-hmm. But if we can understand really what that stress is, we can learn how we can help our body navigate that and how we can also support our body nutritionally. So, um, kind of like if you think of adrenal fatigue, like a rubber band, um, or a hair tie. So like we've all had that hair tie that breaks eventually. Um, and if you just keep stretching it, like at the beginning, it bounces right back into shape. Right. Mm -hmm. But over time, you keep stretching it and stretching it. And when, what eventually happens, it breaks. Same thing like your phone. If you didn't charge your phone for a few days, it would die. Maybe even if you didn't charge it after a day, what also would happen if you plugged into a, your phone charger in for like five minutes, it would then die again. And you'd have to plug it in again for five minutes. And if you kept doing this and never fully giving it that full charge, so to speak, your phone would just be like, um, I'm not working. I'm shutting off. And that's kind of like what happens with adrenal fatigue, with that stress is we live in this high stress world. And that's just a reality of modern times. Um, We're constantly in this state of stress and our bodies eventually just say, I've had enough. I can't handle it. And that's kind of where adrenal fatigue kicks in. Okay. What about like in the body? So if you, if you think of it too, kind of like um, type two diabetes, where you have that like sugar, resistance. Um, that's kind of like the same thing that happens with cortisol is it eventually it, it has, you know, that resistance and it isn't, it's not able to keep up with the demands. So our bodies are really great at handling short, intense periods of stress. So I'm sure, I don't know when you went through the NTP program, I don't know if they use this analogy um, anymore, but they use the analogy for me of like running from a tiger. Mm -hmm. Um, I always thought that was so funny. But like, if you think about it back in the day, our bodies were designed for those short periods of intense stress, you know, things way back in the day, even, you know, maybe 50 to 100 years ago were much more seasonal. Um, And there was a time, you know, if you think about agricultural seasons, there's a time to work hard, there's also a time to reap, and there's also a time to rest. And we don't really have that anymore. And so our bodies just can't keep up with this constant state of stress. And so um, it goes into that resistance mode. And it eventually just kind of collapsed. And so we need to nourish our body and give it rest and supplements and nutrition um, to bring it back into a state of balance. Um, But there's also a lot we can do on a daily basis to make sure that we are not constantly living in an elevated state or an elevated stress state and pumping out cortisol all the time because that's Mm -hmm. what will lead. It's kind of like that roller coaster. Um, but with adrenal fatigue, it's like, we're just always on the peak (laughs) We're never, you know, we're never having those rest periods. Yeah. Well, why do you think so many people say it's not real? Because the medical community doesn't acknowledge it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole other issue. Well, let's talk about 
some of the symptoms? Like, besides feeling tired, what else can happen? Um, a big one is craving salt. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is migraines, headaches, um, insomnia, sleep restlessness, difficulty falling asleep at night. Um, if you're more wired at night, if you're like, well, I'm just a night owl, mm-hmm. that could be a sign of adrenal fatigue. Um, clenching your jaw, that's a big one. Um, thyroid imbalances, female hormone imbalances, feeling constantly overwhelmed, um, sensitivity to light or to heat. Um, man, there's so many, I would say anxiousness, feeling overwhelmed are two really big ones that I think sadly we just push off and we just say, Oh, you have anxiety. Um, and that, you know, that may be the case. There's a lot of things. I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not going to be not going to act like it either. But, um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of things we need to look at rather than just saying, Oh, you're just anxious or whatever. Yeah. 100%. People need to look at also what's going on in their Mm -hmm. bodies. And I think also some of the symptoms that people don't think about are like, literally like acne or bloating. Yeah. Bloating. I feel like it's such a common one for people and they think it's directly their gut health. And sometimes it's not, Uh it's not your gut health. Sometimes it's just, you're too stressed out. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, difficulty losing weight is a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it's in your like stomach region, um, because oftentimes that is a result of overworking out, um, yo-yo dieting, um, different things like that, that have led to adrenal fatigue and the body is like really designed well to conserve energy and to save that energy for stressful situations. So what happens when you're constantly in a state of stress, your body's constantly trying to hold on to those calories and it can pack on weight. And so difficulty losing weight, especially for women is a really big one with adrenal fatigue. Yeah, so let's say someone has adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysregulation or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Um, let's talk about what what steps they should take to start working through it, um, whether that be food, um, lifestyle, supplements, exercise, all the things. Like, let's walk through what you would suggest Oh my gosh, we're going to be talking for hours <laughs> um, in a good way, yeah. in a good way. Um, so I think the biggest thing that you first have to do is you have to have a mindset shift and you have to believe that you are worthy of investing in yourself. And I think that's the hardest step because it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to go do this workout plan or I'm going to avoid X food or I'm going to go purchase these supplements. But if you don't wholeheartedly believe that you and your health and your future, um, and as well, your loved ones, because they're going to suffer when you suffer. Um, if you don't believe that you are first worthy of making this investment and committing and seeing, you know what, I am okay with admitting that I'm struggling with this and I'm also okay with getting help. Um, and I think sometimes we feel like we are weak when we have to admit we're struggling with something or a week when we have to get help. And I always say like, you're strong, you're stronger than anyone else. If you can admit that you need help, that takes a lot of guts. So 
I think first that mindset shift is key. Um, another thing that's really easy you can do that doesn't cost you any money. In fact, it actually might make you some money because it's going to improve your productivity, um, is create good routines. And I feel like a lot of times we, especially, especially as a parent, um, now I feel like routines have become just like this bad word. And I love routines. I thrive on routines and people that are are anti-routines, and I don't want to say that in a bad way, but people that are just against routines, um, when you really look at the science of it, um, usually I can convert people. So um, your body has natural rhythms. Like the best one I can think of is our sleep routine, our circadian rhythms. Um, And so your body is designed physiologically Wow, I can't say that. Your body is designed to like love routines, Um, just like how the sun sets and rises. That's a type of routine, how you go to bed and how you sleep. Um, And so your body craves that predictability. So what happens when you skip breakfast and you change up that routine or you skip lunch? Um, Your body doesn't know if a famine is coming because back in the day that did exist, like famines did exist. Um, and so your body doesn't know if a famine is coming or if you just got busy and you skipped breakfast. So your body instantly goes into fight or flight mode. Your cortisol kicks up, um, and your body is now running in a heightened state of stress, which in turn is going to bring a crash and bring a lower, a lowered state of energy. And so anything we can do to keep routines and to keep our body and our blood sugar in balance and stable is one of the best things you can do for adrenal fatigue. And it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm so with you on that. Like that has helped me so much. And I feel like whenever mm-hmm. I know things are out of whack, I need to just be more into routine. But I think where it confuses people is that they also hear all this information about how the human body is an adaptation machine and like it's good to keep it on its toes and, you know, just eat when you're hungry. Like there's this whole other side, like this whole other camp of people who are basically saying that like don't do things that your body will expect because then it just adapts. I will say I am probably not the best person to talk about all that biohacking with. Um, That is a, that's a complicated uh, perspective. And I, I think that there a lot of times can be some truths to it, but I'll just firsthand admit that that's not my strong suit. Like that, that's definitely really complicated. Um, And I also, I also really believe in, there's no like perfect solution. There's no one size fits all. Um, and so when I work with clients, I really encourage people, okay, like, is this working for you? Um, you know, is, do you, are you someone that needs to eat breakfast within 30 minutes of waking up? Are you someone that needs to eat it within an hour? Are you someone that does best after two hours? Okay, well, let's, let's do that. Is that really working for you? I think sometimes when we get into all these like fads and different things, we don't think about the long-term effects. So maybe you feel good for a week or a month, but life isn't a week or a month long. So I would say really pay attention to your body. And if, you know, if some of that like biohacking, keeping you on your toes works for you, then incorporate that. And if it works for you for the next year, that's great. And if a year from now, you're like, you know what? Maybe that isn't working anymore. Okay, well, 
let's adapt and let's maybe do something different. So I definitely am a believer in personalizing things and constantly, I guess, within like routines, constantly keeping them on their toes, so to speak. And um, just realizing that seasons change and our body change, our hormones, you know, as, as women, our bodies change every single day. Um, and so, yeah, we are going to need to change a little bit and it's not like we have to be rigid in our routines. We need to have flexibility. Yeah. Do you ever find, I mean, especially with adrenal fatigue with clients, sometimes it's like, you know, I think we're both big on listening to your body, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it can, your body can be sending you the wrong signal. Like, I find this with the sleep a lot. Like, I'll have plenty of clients who's like, what you said, I'm such a night owl. Like, I just yeah. can't go to bed before 2 a.m. You know, I'm like, but <laughs> that's not really what your body needs. It's what you think you want. Um, oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, too, that's something that, you know, like someone who's like, oh, I, I'm a night owl. I do really great, you know, on, on five hours of sleep. Well, okay, how's that going to work out for you in 10 years from now and 20 years from now? You know, um, and so, again, just looking at that big picture. Um, and I think sometimes when you really start to talk to people, they just, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes we just think of the surface issues without really getting to those root and to those foundational causes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've definitely changed some people's minds about um, being a night owl. And people are just like, oh, my gosh, I have so much more energy. And I think, too, often, and I'm sure you see this a lot, is a lot of us, and I would say this has been kind of me for the past two years um, with a bad pregnancy and postpartum phase, is like we're functioning at such a low level. Mm-hmm. And we're either dealing with constant stomach aches, constant headaches, constant low energy, and we don't realize how bad it is. Does that kind of make sense? Because we're just, we've gotten so used to it. It's like, okay, that's just how it works. Mm -hmm. But then if you can work, work with someone that is skilled in this area and can show you like, okay, you don't have to function at that low level. Um, it's really eye opening and really amazing to watch. But yeah, I think a lot of that does have to do with functioning in this chronic state of fatigue or stomach aches or acne or different things. We just think that that's life. Yeah. So well, let's talk a little bit more about sleep too related to adrenal fatigue. So with your clients who have adrenal fatigue, do you have them in bed by a certain time or kind of what are your suggestions around sleep in particular? So your body naturally cleanses between the hours of 11 and 3 a.m. Now, that doesn't mean at 11.01 your body's like, oh, time to cleanse. (laughs) Um, But those are definitely like time blocks for like liver and gallbladder especially. Um, So I always recommend if you're in a really bad state of adrenal fatigue, I think you need to be in bed by 9 o'clock. Again, that's not always possible, but I'm talking like, you know, optimal here and um, falling asleep by 930 or 10 because it is going to take you some time to wind down. Um, I would say a really good time frame that's probably realistic for most people is in bed by 10, asleep by 1030. Um, So, yeah, that that would be kind of because you do want to you want to try to be 
asleep by the time your body starts that detoxification process. And again, that's not right at 11 o'clock, but it's definitely that time block. And that's when your deepest sleep happens just because that's how your body's circadian rhythms are, you know, with the sun, with the um, sunset and sunrise, it kind of all makes sense. So I would say 9.30 to 10 getting into bed would be a realistic, like optimal time. Okay. So what about uh, clients who have trouble with like insomnia? Like they're just like, I can't fall asleep. What do you suggest to them? So I think one of the best things you can do, um, again, that is for free is setting up good routines because your body eventually is going to get used to them. It may take a little bit of time. Um, but I think sometimes we go and I've been there the past two years. It was not actually until this past week that I started sleeping (laughs) through the night. Um, my daughter's been sleeping through the night for a year now. So, um, that was fun, but, um, you know, I, I would always go into sleep with this anxiety and this, Oh, I'm just not going to fall asleep or, Oh, I'm going to be up at two in the morning. And so I would say that mindset part is so hard. Um, and again, I've been there. Um, and so if, you know, if affirmations are something that you can do, if creating a calming routine, um, you know, that really helped me like creating a calming routine, um, not checking my phone first thing in the morning, not checking my email or social media first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Um, because that would give me just like, Oh my gosh, I should be up doing things rather than sleeping, you know? Um, So that's something affirmations are really helpful, especially if you have um, anxiety associated with going to bed, which I definitely have struggled with. Um, A cool environment is key. Oh, my gosh. I could not stress this one enough. Um, A cool environment, I think. I was on some this sleep website. It was like the National Sleep Association or something. And I was shocked by the temperature. It said 60 to 67 degrees is the optimal sleep temperature for adults. Wow. Yes. So it's definitely a cool environment. And then you want to have a blanket. Um, Some people do well with like a weighted blanket, um, but that will definitely help your sleep. Um, A shower, I would say watching, making sure you're hydrating throughout the day is something that's really helpful because what happens to a lot of us, like me today, again, I am not perfect by any means, um, is at nighttime we get really thirsty because our body's like, oh my gosh, you forgot to drink water all day. Um, And then you have to wake up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. Um, So definitely watching your water intake throughout the day. Um, I'm a big believer in the bedtime snack. Um, One of the main reasons why people wake up in the middle of the night is due to blood sugar dysregulation. And so if you can have a few bites of something Typically high in fat and protein. For some people, you may need to also have it be a little bit higher in carbohydrates too. But if you can do that about 30 minutes before you go to bed, get into bed, um, that's really important um, and will really help keep your blood sugar stable. And um, I had one person who was like, that was just the missing puzzle piece for me. And again, like, you know, there's going to be different avenues that work for different people. Um, and so I think just kind of when you can put all this together and then find that missing link, um, that's going to be really important. And then also, um, I do a lot of work with supplements. Um, and so when you can finally bring the body back into balance, eventually things will just start clicking and you will 
start sleeping again. Um, but you know, that can take for some people, it could be a few weeks for other people. It could be a few months, um, for, you know, those nutrients to get replenished, um, and to balance out your energy and your sleep and your adrenals. Do you have any like favorite supplements that tend to work for most of your clients? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> um, I am a big fan of um, Pure Radiance Vitamin C. Um, that's something your adrenal glands definitely need. Um, and so increasing that um, is really helpful. You'll see really good results. Um, I also do some um, homeopathic tinctures. Um, also the B vitamins, that's usually where a lot of people need support is with um, the B vitamins. And then, yeah, I would definitely say I've got a lot of supplements. <laughs> um, do you, it's crazy do how you many I use, yeah. um, but they're so helpful. Do you, do you like adaptogens at all? I love adaptogens. Love them. Um, I do really well with ashwagandha. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy how much of a difference I notice. Um, and again, there's a lot of different adaptogens and so different people react better to them. And when you study adaptogens, that's like really something, um, that all the research supports too is okay. You know, these five adaptogens can help with energy and insomnia, but you really got to find the right one for, that works for you. For most people that is ashwagandha. Um, that's definitely one for me, but yeah, I love adaptogens. Yeah. Well, okay. So we talked a little about supplements and like the nighttime snack, any other nutrition related, advice like big pillars so a key pillar to adrenal fatigue is keeping your blood sugar stable um so again that goes back to what i talked about a little bit ago of routines um so anytime you have a drop in your blood sugar your um, liver has to pump out you know glycogen to convert um, to glucose and that is going to in turn make your body work harder and pump out more cortisol so if you can create um, a consistent, like, I don't want to use the phrase eating routine because that sounds so clinical, um, but if you can just be really mindful of what you're eating, and often people in a state of adrenal fatigue need to eat something every two to three hours, um, and I'm not the biggest fan of snacking for a lot of reasons, but especially um, when you're really working through this, that may be something that you do need to do is have a small snack every two to three hours. Um, but if you can kind of regulate and try to stay on a routine when it comes to eating as much as possible. Um, another thing that that really helps with is again, seeing with the water, we've all been there where we're like, we didn't drink any water all day. And now we're going to chug a gallon at the end of the night. And we know that with eating too, when you get the munchies at night, because you didn't eat enough during the day. Um, and then that can overwork your digestive system at night when everything's trying to calm down and detox. Um, and so that can again, elevate your cortisol in a negative way. So just being mindful of staying consistent with your meals. And maybe that means, you know, you're not really hungry when it's a normal lunchtime. And so you eat something small just so you don't get yourself into that, like I'm doing air quotes, hangry state in yeah. a few hours. Um, we want to try to avoid hangry at all costs. Um, so yeah, really keeping your meal times stable. And even if you aren't hungry, just have a few bites of something. What about in terms of like what people are eating or 
I don't know, and macronutrients or any superfoods to include anything like that? Um, anything high in fat is going to be really great. Again, that's a slow and steady source of fuel for your blood sugar, which is in turn going to keep your adrenal glands in check. So again, high quality fat, avocados, olive oil, um, eggs, um, you know, good dairy, if you can handle that, um, you know, nuts, seeds, um, yogurts, different things like that. Nut butters, coconut butter is a favorite of mine, um, for blood sugar regulation. So I would say the fats are definitely really great. And then, um, protein obviously. Um, and then the nourishing carbohydrates as I like to refer to them as so low glycemic fruits, um, berries are a really great one. I would say berries and yogurt or berries and cream, um, berries and some nut butter are a really great adrenal, um, kind of superfood combination there. Um, sweet potatoes, any other root vegetables. Um, I do really well with like chickpea pasta, a little bit of chickpeas. Um, I also like cassava flour. So you can get that. Probably the thing that comes to mind is like siete tortilla chips or siete tortillas. Those are really great. Again, that's a root vegetable. Um, so yeah, with the, with the carbohydrates, you kind of have to like figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's just something you have to pay attention to. And that will also depend, like if you have type one diabetes, like me, your carbohydrate intake is going to look different than someone else. It's going to, you know, depend on, um, where you are in your cycle and it's going to depend on how much you work out and are you breastfeeding or are you nursing? What's your age? Like, you know, it's going to depend on your activity level. So many different things. Um, So again, just paying attention to your body's needs. Yeah, I think also looking at where the person started from, like, Uh you know, there are plenty of people who, you know, a factor could be that they're eating way too many carbs and especially Mm -hmm. if it's like refined sugars, you know, and then in that situation, they probably want to lower the carbohydrates and increase the protein and fat versus there's a lot of other people who can drive themselves into adrenal fatigue because they've been low carb for too long, in Mm -hmm. which case you'd want to up the carbs. So I think it really helps to look at where the person is kind of starting from when they reach that state. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that is so important. And again, if, if your body is used to eating a standard American diet and you're going from, you know, eating a bagel to a sandwich to pasta, um, and it's all, you know, it's not chickpea pasta, it's, it's white refined pasta and no judgment at all if that's where you're at. Um, but if you go from that to immediately like a whole 30, that can create a lot of stress on your body, even though it's a positive change, you may, you know, you may, I'm a big fan of like small steps, um, because just doing something so drastic like that can be really stressful on the body. Yeah, 100%. Um, speaking of stresses on the body, let's talk about exercise and what you recommend (laughs) in terms of exercise. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, oh my gosh. I was talking to a client the other day and I was like, I know you're not going to want to hear this. And that's usually how a lot of my conversations go. Um, and it was crazy cause she emailed me back and she was like, oh my gosh, I was just needing to hear that from you. I feel like exercise is my breaking point right now. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I'm all about educating and just putting it out there and take what you want. Um, but high intensity exercise and specific things like running, 
Um, running is probably the top thing that comes to mind. Um, just really like slaving away in the gym day after day. Um, you know, even CrossFit, different things like that is really high intensity. Um, and that spikes your cortisol levels. So that can, um, harm your adrenal glands. And if you're doing all these other things, right, you're starting to sleep well, you're taking your supplements, you know, you're working with someone to get your adrenal fatigue under control. A lot of people that are still doing really high intensity exercise are not going to see as great of results just because of that cortisol spike. Um, and again, exercise is not a bad thing. Exercise is such a great thing. Um, we just need to find the right type of exercise for you in the moment. And that doesn't mean like if you're a runner listening to this and you love running, um, that doesn't mean that you never can run again. Oh my gosh, by no means. And that doesn't mean that what you're doing is bad. Um, it just might not be right for you in this season. Um, and so doing things like walking, swimming, um, Pilates, yoga, even like a hit workout. And again, I am not like an athletic trainer or workout guru, anything like that, but hit is high intensity interval training. Um, and so a lot of people do really well with that because you can, you can, um, so like sometimes I just started doing a little bit, um, of running and more intense cardio more recently. And so I'll run for just a few minutes and then I'll do like a speed walk. And so what that does is it, it doesn't leave, um, it doesn't put your body into a state of stress and a cortisol spike um, and a heart rate spike for a long time. It lets you go up and then it gives you a little bit of time to rest and then you can go up again. And so, um, again, I am not skilled in like hit workouts, but if that's something, if you're someone that really loves working out, I would definitely Google um, or search or try to work with someone um, that does hit workouts. Those are really great. Yeah, I think that I again dangerous territory though because I see people you know recommending hit workouts for adrenal fatigue, but I see that also the people who often go for that are the ones who need to pull back a lot on their training, and then they'll turn mm -hmm. it into they'll do a hit workout every day. They're like, oh, I thought yes. it was good for me, and I'm like, no, 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 like <laughs> we're taking things out of context. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, that's, what's so hard about like teaching. And I'm sure you come into this, you know, too. It, it's so hard. Cause it's like, I, I really want to meet people where they are and I don't want to tell them, Oh my gosh, do you now have to give up coffee and you have to go to bed at nine o'clock and you have to stop running? You know, mm -hmm. for some people that's a lot to handle. Um, but like anything too much of a good thing can quickly turn into a bad thing. So I think really finding moderation, um, yeah. Um, I'm definitely a fan of walking. Man, you can get a workout walking, especially if you're pushing a stroller and holding a dog, yeah. which is me all the time. But you can really get your heart rate up walking. Um, and that is one of the best forms of exercise. It's also just so good, like for your body and your bones and your muscles. Um, Pilates and yoga, too. Oh my gosh, I was doing this yoga workout on this app the other day and I was dripping sweat like within five minutes. I was what like, this is intense. <laughs> Um, I use the Tone It Up app. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah, I have. I haven't used it, but I know what it is. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. It's like really encouraging and peppy. And sometimes that is just what I need. Um, yeah. So I definitely I need the cardio, but sometimes it's hard to get it in. Um, yeah. So I do that in my kitchen while the baby's sleeping sometimes. But yeah, it was crazy. I was like, this is just yoga, you know? And so I think sometimes we think that yoga, people just like sit around and 
you know, breathe and then go get (laughs) green juice, but it's intense. So try something new. You never know like what you might love. I love Pilates and I am sore every single time I leave. Oh, I Um, get so sore if I do yoga or Pilates. So that's how you know it's good for you. uh, It's it's so good for you. So definitely just, just keep an open mind. Um, yeah, I think that's my best advice. Just keep an open mind. Yeah, I think that I definitely meet the most resistance with exercise and caffeine. Those are like the two things that people, it's really hard for them to. Oh my gosh, we didn't even that. dive into caffeine. <laughs> I told you I could talk all day. Oh my gosh, caffeine. I, I wrote a blog post on how I get, have given up caffeine um, and I haven't had any caffeine for two years. So and um, that, what, what, I definitely got a lot of questions about that blog post. <laughs> what 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 happened after two years of no caffeine? What are your conclusions? Well, I still don't drink caffeine, um, and I now have more energy than I have before. And I would say my biggest takeaway is just not relying on something else, um, and realizing that. You know, in those tough moments, I'm relying on myself. I'm not relying on an outside substance. Um, and gosh, that's like been so empowering to me. And just to wake up um, and not be like I'm running downstairs for the coffee, but just to wake up and to get to work or do a workout or do my morning quiet time and just do that and live in that moment rather than being like, oh my gosh, I need coffee. Um, but yeah, it's been, I would say, single. And giving up caffeine was the best decision I've ever made for my health. Yeah. And did you swap it out for something or just cut it out? Uh, I slowly decreased, like slowly decreased. And then I switched to decaf coffee, which has a very small amount of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I occasionally will drink matcha, which also has a little bit of caffeine, but it's a slow born- burning source of caffeine. So it doesn't spike your blood sugar, spike your cortisol. Um, you won't like feel the effects of it. So, um, I love yeah, I would matcha. say, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I always do like a smaller amount when I make it at home. Um, and that's definitely on days when I'm like, oh my gosh, I need something, mm-hmm. um, you know, which, which happens. And when I travel, I, I will have a little tiny bit of caffeine coffee here and there, but, um, it is by no means a daily thing. Um, you know, it, it may happen like once every other two months, but gosh, coming from the girl that lived cup of coffee to cup of coffee, um, <laughs> and was obsessed with caffeine. I can say that if I can do it, you can do it too. <laughs> yeah. 100%. People just, it's a, it's a mental block. I think, you know, they're uh-huh. dependent on it. I mean, it's literally a drug. You're addicted to it. <laughs> you know, and it's a, it's a society thing too. I mean, you know, we have sayings and shirts, but first coffee. And so that's drilled into our heads. And so to go against the norm is really hard. And people look at me like I'm crazy sometimes when I say I don't drink caffeine. Um, and so I definitely think a lot of it is that society pressure and, and just buying into that lie that more equals better. Um, and if we do more, we're going to be more successful and, you know, X, Y, and Z, and we have to do all the things. And that's just actually like, that's not true. You don't have to do all the things. Um, and more doesn't always equal better by any means. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because sometimes when I tell people I don't drink coffee, I get the same look as when I tell them I don't <laughs> eat gluten. <laughs> I know people are like so attached to their coffee. And again, like you said, it's so emotional. And I, I mean, I drink decaf coffee because I love 
it, it is that emotional side of things and I love the smell and the taste mm-hmm. um but I don't know it's so empowering just knowing that I don't rely on something else for my energy yeah. um and when you really heal your body and that can take time like I said you'd be amazed by how much energy you actually can have um and it's so freeing just to be like, wow, that's like actually how I should be functioning rather than functioning at that lower state of energy all the time. Yeah. And when you're helping someone overcome adrenal fatigue, how long do you usually like tell them, okay, we just need to wait this long and just, you'll start to see improvement by this point maybe. So everyone is different. I can't stress that enough. And like you said, something before we were talking about is it really depends where you're starting at. Mm Um, so I would say I have had people that have told me within a week, they felt like a new person. Um, I've had other people that it takes three months, six months. Um, for me, postpartum, I've been consistently working at this since pretty much Remington was, um, one month old. So that was over a year from now. And I'm, I'm just now really, really seeing results. Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, it depends on that starting point. It depends on your history. Do you have an autoimmune disease? You know, what, uh, what other things are going on in your life? Are you moving? Are you getting a new job? Are you getting married? Like there's so many life factors too. Um, but I would say on average, you should see if you're really taking this seriously, um, you know, when my clients go through my protocol, you should see things start to change um, and the needles start to move within a month. Um, you should at least see, even if it's a small, tiny little change, you should at least see that within a month. Most people will see a small change quicker. Um, and then I would say the average time is three to six months. Okay, cool. I mean, that's really not that long in the scheme of life. No. Three months flies by. Yeah, and again, some people, like, I've worked with people and they're, like, implemented what I said and a week later they're like, I have so much energy, you know. So, gosh, it's so hard. The human body is so complex and everyone's so unique and bio-individual. So, yeah, I never like to make promises to people. Um, One thing I do want to touch on is do you find a connection between personal care products in adrenal fatigue? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about um, putting toxins on your body, you know, or, or in your house, your liver is having to work overtime and anything that causes your body to work overtime is in turn affecting your adrenal glands. So, man, that... Oh. We're going to have to do round two. Um, But that, yeah, that was definitely a huge part of my story. Um, A few years ago when I got involved with Beauty Counter and other, you know, safer skincare companies um, and just my eyes were opened. And it's crazy because even like as a nutritionist, I always say I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know just how much these toxins were affecting me. Um, So absolutely. That is yeah, the products you use impact so much so much yeah and I just feel like it's such a low-hanging fruit for people like you Mm -hmm. know I I understand the emotional resistance to like changing the way you eat or like your daily schedule or you know even exercise but like with products it's like an easy swap you know you're not really 
You're going to buy, everyone's going to buy deodorant. Yeah. You might as well just buy a clean. Well, I hope you're buying deodorant. <laughs> Depending who but you, you are. Might as, yeah, you <laughs> might as well just buy a cleaner one. Everyone's using shampoo. Um, and the effects long term, oh my gosh, they, you know, it impacts everything. Non-toxic living is so important. And that was a huge missing puzzle piece for my health. Even when I had the food down like perfectly, like picture perfect, perfectly. Um, the non-toxic living aspect was really important for me. Yeah, I have the same experience. Well, let's wrap up with one fun question. Tell me three products you're loving right now. Um, I am loving Primally Pure's Clarifying Serum. It's brand new. It's amazing. Um, I am also loving Beauty Counter's Cleansing Balm. That like transformed my skin. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's amazing. <laughs> um, other products I'm loving. I'm really into, I don't know if this is what you were looking for, but Bring this it. came to mind. Um, I'm really loving hats recently. It's summer. Oh, I love it. So I'm loving hats. Um, I suffered pretty bad postpartum hair loss. Thankfully it's growing back, but it's still a little wonky. So, you know, Hats are where it's at. Yeah. So don't know if that's a product, but loving hats right it now. It counts. It counts. I just like to see what people are into. So cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit about your story and your knowledge. Can you just tell everyone where they can find more from you if they want to connect? So my website is flourish-living.com, and we have a fun little quiz on there. Um, I have some courses. I'm actually launching a course on adrenal fatigue in September. Um, tons of blog posts, information, and then my Instagram is um, at caroline2underscorespotter, and I am pretty active on there. I love connecting with people over there. So if you're new or you listen to this or you have questions, um, please send me a message or leave me a comment. I'd love to connect with you. Awesome. Thank you again, Caroline. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Caroline for coming on the podcast and sharing a bit about her story, some tips and tricks for supporting your body if you are feeling a little burnt out in your adrenals love if you enjoyed this episode then make sure you share it send it to friend family member who you think would enjoy it and of course share on social media tag me tag caroline tag wellness realness podcast and i love to see when you guys are digging the episodes if you haven't already joined our facebook group wellness realness podcast tribe make sure you head over to facebook and join there to chat with other podcast listeners and make sure you give a rating and review on itunes if you want to show your support for the content and let me know i should keep putting it out there all right that's gonna be it for today i hope you have an amazing rest of your day you're gonna have an awesome week and i will chat with you again next time bye